It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Oh, what's going on, Philadelphia? Hello, everybody. The Zach Brown Band is in town. Not like Elliot Shore predicted that. What, two weeks ago or anything like that? But, uh, hey, this is why you don't draft linebackers. We'll get into that. It is uh, Go Birds number 71 right here on Radio.com Sports Radio 94 WIP. John Barchard here with you. Elliot Shore Parks via Skype. How are you, sir? Doing good, doing good. I had uh, three predictions of players that would that would make sense for them, and they actually signed one. So good, good day for the ESP brand. <laughs> Sign them up for GM already. I'm sure everyone would agree yeah. with that. That's right. Oh, everyone would be very helpful helpful with that. <laughs> uh, but I mean, this makes a lot of sense. And from uh, I remember talking about him before the draft and just kind of getting a sense of where he's at. Kind of funny that Washington paid him a bunch of money and now can't afford him. So this is kind of why he falls into the Eagles' lap. The you know uh, the cost and the price is obviously not going to be too taxing on uh, on the Eagles. And he's a guy that can play middle linebacker and Sam. And uh, I I do wonder though. Uh, I, I I hear that and I'm not sure if he can play both mm-hmm. here because simply because of of coverage struggles. Now he has been better in the last couple of years. His Pro Bowl year. Um, he had a he had a, a pretty good you know pass coverage skills, but those are the things that still kind of concern me. So that's why I still think Nigel Bradham is going to play uh, or Nigel Bradham is going to play the middle linebacker spot, and then uh, he's primarily going to be there on rundowns. But what do you make of of Zach Brown? Yeah, I mean, look, they can you know I think one of the initial reactions to the signing has been whenever you whenever you sign a guy this late, it's skeptical to say okay, like how good can he be really? But I think that this is a semi unique situation, and the reason that is is because the linebacker position, as we've discussed, is kind of being devalued now, as opposed like kind of like you see with, with running backs, honestly. So I don't think it's extremely surprising he hasn't been signed. I mean, he's not 
the Pro Bowl player he was, at least he wasn't last year. He was still very good, but clearly around the league, he's not viewed of as highly. But I think that has more to do with the linebacker position than it has to do with him as an individual player. As a player, I mean, I think he's about as good as you could hope for at this point of the offseason. Um, I thought he's very good against the run, which is what this team needs, especially in a division with Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott. I think I, I agree with you that he's not amazing in coverage, but I don't think he's particularly bad in it either. I mean, he no. dropped back from almost 400 snaps last year and gave up 27 catches. So now obviously with linebacker, catch allowed, you know, that that stat can be a little misleading sometimes. But I think overall he's been pretty good. But again, where he, he really can help, I think, is against the run. So when you look at how they'll use Nigel Bradham and Zach Brown, they really only use two linebackers at a time. So they're pretty interchangeable. And then you have Camus there if you want to bring someone in uh, that's better in just simply pass coverage in certain situations. But I, I think, you know, it's a slam dunk signing by Howie, honestly, for the money, for the value, for all those things this late, late in the offseason. Uh, I, I think it's a no. it was a no-brainer decision for the Eagles. Yeah, and it would be silly for me to say that there's like no linebacker out of day three that's going to eventually become a starter and whatever. That's it's a pretty large field, but... Uh, not just the Eagles, but I think the NFL overall looked around the room and just said, "Like, hey, uh, I'm I'm not I'm at least going to wait until you know day three, unless you're that top top uh, that we saw in the uh, going the top ten, you know, with Rashawn and all those guys that are hanging out uh, there. But this is this is why you do this too. I mean, you can easily. Uh, get him in on run situations, have Kamu out there for pass coverage or Nick Gary or whatever. Uh, and and really, you're only going to have two guys that you have to worry about anyway. And we've been through that millions and millions of times on this podcast. And Elliot's written about that uh, a lot at 94WAP.com slash GoBirds in case uh, you don't have the links to that stuff. But this is, this is a slam dunk signing. This makes a ton of sense. Uh, and everybody else loves it too, not just in Philadelphia. There's a lot of, lot of national pundits that are going around and saying like, yeah, this is – why the Eagles will remain and continue to remain successful uh, kind of throughout this thing. So uh, it just goes to show you that this is between now, I would even say that linebacker is the least important position for the Philadelphia Eagles. The least important. Like, like they, and not to say that it doesn't completely matter. Of course, everything matters a little bit, but I think it's on the bottom. And I, I don't know if you agree with this, but uh, because of the way that they drafted Miles Sanders, and mm-hmm. you know what they and what they I mean they didn't trade much of anything for Jordan Howard but they've got these guys in here I think they clearly value that position more I don't know if there's a, a position other than kicker and punter that you would or long snapper were taking special teams out of this of the starters linebackers probably at the bottom is that what you see with with this as well Elliot In terms of how they value it yeah I mean I would argue offensive guard is maybe the most replaceable position just in terms of I mean the Eagles are lucky to have Brandon Brooks that's a pro bowl type talent but I think overall the the position of guard is probably the most replaceable position in football but in terms of just where the Eagles value things I mean look you mentioned a fifth round pick for Jordan Howard and then a uh, second round pick for Miles Sanders that's like considerably more than what they've invested in linebacker at this point they've invested almost no no quality draft picks into it they gave Nigel a big deal but even his deal it's big but it's really only kind of a two-year deal with I think the guarantees were I don't know, maybe 10 a year or something like that so I even that's not as much as uh you know as it comes out to be and now you get you sign Zach Brown late in the offseason 
for one year with 1.5 million of it guaranteed. Um, so I look, I, I like, like you said, I think that the linebacker position, they don't value it, but I do think that when you look at their defense as a whole, and especially now linebacker, they have the ability to be better than they were last year. Uh, I think the defense, the defensive unit is better than the roster that they played with last year. I don't know if I would go as far as to say they're better than in 2017, but I think there's at least an argument to be made when you consider Jordan Hicks was out. Michael Kendricks played at a fairly high level towards the end of the yeah, season. The pass rush was way better. But uh, I, I think that the defense right now is better than the unit that they had last year. Yeah, I think so, too. At least there's a lot more options for it. I mean, linebacker might be a little different in that situation, just like you said. But there's there's a lot of different options that they can do. And, and whether it's through injuries, bad play, good play, I think that's, you know, it's really hard to find anything on this roster that you go well I don't really agree with this or I don't really agree with yeah. that in terms of got to get really down to I think the the next thing that we're all going to bitch about is Jake Elliott and that's pretty much it <laughs> or like well, I don't why Jake Elliott I because think I people mean, overreact to him over the, all the time all the time like it's the it's the strangest thing in the world to me it's like oh my god he missed an extra point you gotta cut him you gotta cut him and it's just it's the weirdest thing that happens through the season and then he makes 40 plus 50 plus clutch kicks and we're going like really we i think we i think we can deal with it it's just kind of part of what the new nfl is with uh, kicking rules and all that or just well, like you right, right now though backs. i would say right now they're the biggest hole on their roster or just at least the the issue i think they need to address next is still the third safety spot i mean that's i was thinking about this yesterday like would you call their third safety spot like a borderline starting spot i mean i think um, it's pretty close uh pfft. Yeah, I guess you'd have to. I mean, they're, what What was it? Were, you know, I have the numbers in front of you. What was last year? Were they above 50%? Well, so, so last year, it's it's tough to say with last year with the snap counts just because they, they had Maddox there. Sometimes they had Graham there. Sometimes McLeod went down, all those things. But I think in uh, it was 2017 in a, in a year where McLeod and Jenkins stayed healthy. I think Corey Graham played almost 400 snaps a year. I'll look it up really quick. But 400 snaps over a season, I mean, that's... That's about you know, half. Some, I would say because I think they're right or, or close to 40 percent, right? They're yeah, it's about, about half. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's about what some of the defensive ends play. Yeah, then I would say that's a starting spot. And it's a crucial spot. And we saw last year especially how important it was when McLeod went down. I mean, they were lucky Maddox was able to step in there and do what he did. Yeah, Graham, Graham played 367 snaps in uh, 2017. Yeah, so, that's pretty close. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I don't think so, though. Uh, and I've I've thought a lot about this, and I'm not a big Andrews and Dejo fan, and that's pretty clear. Um, uh, but as as a third safety, it's hard not to be like, dude, like he would have to really screw that up. Really, really screw that up to be bad at that particular spot just because – Well, we saw Corey Graham do it last year. Well, that's – right, but I think that's a big difference in like, hey, I'm I'm on my last legs here and I've been friends with Jim Schwartz for a very long time. I th I, that's At least that's what I'm going with. Zendejo, I mean, you can, you can at least guarantee that he's going to stick on the sticks – <laughs> he will be yeah. at 15 yards. I would imagine that'd be a coaching point this year, yes. this offseason. <laughs> yes, yes. Now, we're going to play the picket fence and make sure you're building the fence properly on the on the correct line. Um, I I do, like, as much as I do not like him in coverage, I don't believe that they're going to put him in any particular spot unless they are facing an empty backfield from the offense for whatever particular reason. And even then, I don't think you want right. him out there. But in terms of just having a third safety, being able to stand back there, tackle properly, and make sure that they don't score a touchdown in just 20 yards, 
I'm not really worried about the third safety spot. Plus, you have Maddox there if you really need to do that because LeBlanc is backing him up more than likely and so on right, and so forth. True. Yeah, so I, I don't think it is a thing to address. Do they need to get younger at the position? Sure, but that's that's you know another another podcast. You can say that time. for a lot of positions yes, on this team. Exactly. <laughs> That'll be a July podcast when we're when we're at the bottom of the barrel there. Um what we do want to do today too, and at GoBirdspod on the Twitter.com, on Instagram, uh and and you tell us too who you think is going to make the biggest impact out of this this draft class, and we've had some time to kind of Look at a little more tape, and I'm sure we're going to argue about JJ, which is going to be fun here, Elliot. But uh, yeah. to me, uh, it's in it only because of it's the pretty simplest one and most obvious one. I think Miles Sanders is the guy that makes the biggest impact on this roster, and I gotta just I started to think about you know what could have been different in 2018, uh, and just having a guy like that. And granted, I mean it, you know people get hurt, and there's also talent level along with this too, but. I I I think that that sustains something in the playoffs, something towards the end of the season, the beginning of the season, whatever. Um, I think Miles Sanders helps out, not Carson Wentz, um, uh, like in a uh, let's stay healthy per se type of way, but um, I think it makes everybody more comfortable. And uh, we're going to hear run the ball a lot, a lot more this year, um, <laughs> or maybe we won't. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea. But uh, I think Miles Sanders just on skill set alone along with Jordan Howard, is going to have many opportunities, many touches, uh, and I'm really interested to see finally, because Doug has never really had a guy yet in his coaching career, I would argue, since he got here in 2016, and I'm really curious what he has to do with a young, healthy, more than capable catcher, in my my opinion, although I don't think it's going to be, you know, immediate, like he's going to be the next, you know, Darren Sproles and catching every ball. But I, I think he makes the most impact right away and probably sustains that for the next couple of seasons here. Do you do you agree with that or do you have somebody else on your mind? So my only issue with the pick, and I want your advice on this because I'm not like firm in this take yet, but my only issue with the Miles Sanders pick is when I look at Miles Sanders, I watched I think six of his games from last year. You look at some of the his stats, some of the advanced stats around him. I'm not really sure what he does great. And my concern is, uh, I think Howie Roseman's really good at the draft. I think he does a good job drafting. I think he does a good job of maneuvering the draft board. I think he does a good job of reading the draft board. But one of the reasons he's always been really good is because he does not value the running back position. Now, we all make fun of the Giants for taking Saquon at number two. And I understand that's a different stratosphere than taking Miles Sanders with a second round pick. Different stratosphere. Yeah. But... I'm worried that because they took Miles Sanders at 53, like they're going to kind of force him onto the field. I mean, he has to make an instant impact. This isn't a position like with JJ, who we'll talk about in a little bit. You can give him a year to develop. It's not a huge deal. Even though he's in the second round, you can give him a year because of what you have there. Miles Sanders, I think, is going to be expected to make more of an immediate impact. And when I look at him, I'm not sure what his elite skill is. I'm not sure that he has something where I say, okay, like that's a skill that transfers to the NFL. So before I kind of say different areas of where I think he might struggle, what, what what are some of the areas, I mean, and like I'm asking you like to tell me, what, what are some areas you think he's really good at in, in the NFL? I mean, honestly, like once, I think his vision is very underrated. Um, I, there's this weird thing that he does that 
Like there is, and I, I remember this specifically from last year in terms of just, you know, I mean, Iowa's defense was, listen, doesn't have a ton of, a ton of athletes on it, but they had a pretty good defense last year. The shoestring tackle thing is really weird to me. Like, I don't think he uses his agility and speed as much when he's on the outside, but when he's in the inside and in between the tackles, which is like the reverse of, of, of a lot of running backs that we've seen come through here, like he's outstanding. Yeah, I, I, the the way he's able to maneuver through small spaces and then his burst, you know, once you catch up to it, and it's not like it's that the speed is at an elite level either. Uh, but once that happens, and once he's past the line of scrimmage, his legs are really tough to take down. And mm-hmm. I, I think it is like an, an elite level Jordan Howard in in that sense, like where he's just lighter on his feet. Uh, he moves through the holes incredibly well as a patient runner, and sometimes too patient. At sometimes, but I, I, if I had to pick out one thing, I think his vision is overall like the best thing in his game. So I saw that he he averaged the most yards per carry straight up the middle. Yes. So that would kind of go with what you're saying in terms of just his ability to do that. Um, I think yards after contact, he was right up there with Josh Jacobs of Alabama, and I think he was one of the top tops in the class. So he does break tackles, and that's one thing I I noticed when watching him. Like, but what's weird is he doesn't really break tackles in terms of like a cut on a dime, like make people miss embarrassingly type of way. He kind of just has really good balance. Like it seems like people bounce off him a little bit or like he seems like he's going to go down and he's able to stay up. I do wonder if in the NFL with bigger, quicker and stronger athletes, if he'll be able to do that. Um, But I think that's fair. I mean, look, his vision, obviously that's key, right? I mean, that's probably what you want most from a running back Um, as a pass catcher though. So I know the night of the draft, both Thursday and Friday, you know, one thing we were talking about was kind of finding a pass catching running back and Miles Sanders, like they might project he can do it. And, you know, apparently he had a really good day at a really good pro day at Penn state. I'm sure when he came to Philly and they worked him out, they obviously ran him through those things. And I do think the numbers you have in college as a pass catcher don't always correlate to the NFL just because they don't throw the ball. They never, as much. They never do just for what it's worth. Like it's, right, it's exactly. really hard. And also yeah. I'll say from watching like six games of Penn state this weekend, like, they are horrendous. Like Nick Sorley is not good. The head coach is not good. Like that is not a good situation. So I, I would even I'm, say the offense that they run is bullshit, especially for the. I mean, like it. If if you and I said this the day, the night of the draft too. If you look at those offenses, I mean that is basically what Doug runs, and they are not successful with it at all. Like they want our, yeah. our eleven personnel all the time, and and Miles Sanders should be you know, dominating the NCAA, and he's not. I think that's more in part due to his coaches than his skill. But sorry, go ahead. Well, so I was going to say, so I'm not going to hold his pass, his, I'm not going to hold his lack of pat, uh, like yardage in the passing game against him. But the two areas I am concerned is this one is he had three drops last year, which isn't a lot, but he only had 34 targets and his drop rate was one of the highest among all the running backs in uh, college football last year. So again, not a ton, but not a running back to get a lot of targets anyway. So I think that's slightly concerning. Um, I saw two of the drops over the past, over the weekend when I watched the game and they weren't like, maybe it's a drop. They were like literally bounced right off his hands. Yeah. So, so the drops I think are a bit of a concern. And then also after the catch, he wasn't very good out of, I think the 42 running backs that had at least 30 targets last year. And I just picked that number cause it was close to his, um, he was 41st out of 42 in yards after the catch. Now, again, did those that have, could be part of Just by chance, did those have uh, like uh, yards per attempt on those catches? 
just to kind of see where they were throwing him to, like if it was just like the average yards per, like from where he yeah, was targeted, like how, how it traveled in the air. So if it was like right. you know, three um, as opposed can, to seven, I mean, I can look that up. Uh, I don't have, I don't have the like the That's numbers. No That's just, right just a thing. Uh, the only reason I bring that up is because I don't know exactly where they were targeting the football. I don't know if he was a safety valve. More, more or less of than like, right. hey, we're gonna run a wheel route for you, You're like twenty. Yeah, times that's again. probably that's probably a, a large portion of them because it doesn't seem like they certainly made the offense to feature him in the passing game. Um, there was one really nice catch he had against Pitt that got called back for um, a flag, but that that was a wheel right a wheel route type of situation there. So. I guess what I'm saying is it would I would feel more confident in a running back that had proven production in the passing game. I don't think he can't do it. I just think at this point we're projecting. And when you talk about how dominant I think a running back can be in the passing game in Doug's offense, I think he does such a good job of dialing him up. I think he really knows how to get him open, all those things. Um, I just wish that they would have drafted a running back that was a little more proven in that regard. So those are that's my basic concern with Miles Sanders. I don't see elite speed or elite like cut on a dime type um, maneuvering in the field, and then I don't see a great uh, running back uh, catching the ball. So those those are my main concerns. But I, I I would still give the pick a B. Like I'm still optimistic for it, and his name and his number are just so good. I can't imagine he'll fail. But. <laughs> Those are some of my concerns. Did he, what did he? What did he? Uh, we sign on twenty six. Is that what what he's doing? He, he, yeah, he put it on his Instagram. Okay, good. So. Yeah, twenty six is a, is a pretty decent number. It's not as. Cool I mean, that's as 25. a can't miss number. Yeah, in a way. Yeah, and then his name is Miles Sanders. That's a quality running back name as well. So it's looking good in that way. Yeah, and I'm I'm I know like everybody just called him you know Booby Miles because that's that's Friday Night Lights character. I that's that's college. Leave that there. I think Booby Sanders is is a great nickname. You know, I really do. Like, if I, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm I like for, it. I'm for that and changing it up a little bit. To that point, the things that I am concerned about, and and maybe it's just on a smaller level because it's here's what's weird about both of these backs with Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders, and you you would expect just like you said, like okay, you know, if they can get him to a point where he's a catching back, like that's third down. My main concern, everybody's main concern about Miles Sanders is like he has. I, I would even say that the efforts into blocking and pass protecting isn't quite there, you know? And I've seen lots of people run through Deuce uh, for the last two years, and Corey Clement was a, a perfect example of this, too, of just being like, wow, I mean, he is getting his ass handed to him by Joe Walker day in and day yep. out, every part of August, and you're going, this guy just doesn't have it. He just doesn't have it, you know? And you're going like, oh, my God, how is that going to work out? Um, so, again, that can all change within a matter of months, but I I don't know what you do on third down with these two backs because Jordan Howard is not is not a pass-catching back. Not that he can't, but like I wouldn't identify him that at all. But he's really yeah. great at pass blocking. So, are are you? How is that going to work? You know, are are you going to have Miles Sanders there on first and second down, and then put in Jordan Howard, who's and not a passing threat at all, just to help out Carson? Like, I, I'm really curious how they uh, delineate that, and maybe that's just going to take you know four or five weeks into the season to really understand what's going on. I, I am curious though why, how you think these guys kind of split carries. So I would think that, and 
I, I will say last year we saw the Eagles are willing to like when a guy outplays another running back to move him up. I mean, Josh Adams became the starter in what week five or six last year. Yeah. So if not a little later. So I do think, like you said, it'll take four or five weeks. Jordan Howard will start as the number one back. I think he'll get the majority of the carries. I think you'll see Miles Sanders come in for, I don't know, maybe 10 to 15 snaps a game to start. But I think he'll have the ability to take take carries away quickly. But you're right. The fact that Jordan Howard isn't just a good run block, I mean, a good pass blocker in the pocket. He's maybe the best in the NFL, if not one of the best. Like He's an elite elite pass blocker and off of what they had last year he's going to be a huge upgrade so miles sanders is going to have to get better in pass protection to get on the field because as you mentioned if it's an obvious passing down you want jordan howard back there but the issue is he's not a huge threat out of the backfield i will say howie and joe douglas and joe knows jordan howard very well has said that they believe he can be better with it but when you read about what happened in chicago last year where Last year in training camp, they said he's going to be a bigger part of it. He was saying how much more comfortable he felt, and then he just wasn't. Um, I'll believe it when I see it with Jordan Howard being an impact player in the passing game. Yeah, same, same. Like, I just, you know, and and because of it is what it is, and I, I don't know. I, for, for some reason, that's why I kind of feel uh, of, of feeling pretty good about my pick with Miles. Um, one, because it's running back, and that's the most e- easiest position to transfer from college to uh, to the NFL, especially in year one, and we've seen a lot of like hot starts from year one running backs, and then you know you get tape and whatever. And we know that story, but yeah, I just uh, for some reason Jordan Howard has got to show me a lot, uh, and I, and I know it's just like oh, come on, dude, it's it's a great offensive line, like you know the way that they run their splits, it's wide open, you could yep. run through there. I get that, and and that's all you really want out of this, but I am um, I'm I'm still not confident in uh, in Jordan Howard. Uh, and still agree with the trade 100 percent because you know it's practically it's nothing it's nothing it's nothing to get upset about. Uh, so right. Elliot, what do you think then is the most impactful um, prospect in this draft that the E is really going to help the Eagles season? Well, it has to be Miles Sanders, and the reason I'll say that is because uh, Andre Dillard is probably not going to play. He could end up having a huge impact if Jason Peters goes down. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Sharif Miller. And I think the quarterback they drafted is hot trash. So, like, I don't think it's going to be him. So, it really is either JJ or Miles Sanders. Um, you know, we just talked about Miles Sanders at length and some yeah. of my hesitations, yeah, but fair. I still think he'll have the biggest impact. Uh, well, let's talk about Andre Dillard for a little bit, too. And just kind of, I, I know we've kicked around a lot of ideas on draft night uh, when he was going there. And there are some people that now are suggesting, I think Adam and Jeff on Inside the Birds had even mentioned, too, that there's a possibility. That he could start out as guard, and I just go, man. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't get that at all, <laughs> especially with his makeup and like a guy that really needs to improve his run blo- blocking. I mean, that's a certainly way to kind of throw him in the fire to go and do that, but I think that is – it's not a waste of time, but it would be a be a bad use of resources, in, in my opinion, just to slide him into guard. Not well, that, also, I, I would just know. prefer that they just train – they just coached him up at left tackle. You know, like, don't yeah. put too much on his plate. Just coach him to be an elite left tackle. That's I, That would be my game plan with him. Now, if you think he can take it, maybe, but for what, one or two weeks until Brandon Brooks is back and then you're going to put him on the bench? I mean, yeah. what if he's out there and playing at an elite level? Then what do you do? Yeah, I mean, exactly. I guess it's a good problem to have, but. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Then you just get him ready to, to play tackle again, Brandon Brooks fits right in and yeah I, I don't know I don't know but like I don't I just don't see that happening uh or him starting right away at at guard but who knows we've been surprised before and it is it just got to me anyway so 
Um, now with with JJ, I know this is. I, I, have you? Because like, <laughs> what what I think is funny is that because you know Jordan Matthews and you are attached at the hip. And right. if you take like contested catches and those things, and you look at, you know, what Jordan Matthews did at Vanderbilt, and you look at what uh, JJ did at Stanford, like clearly, one, there's a difference in athletic ability. Two, I mean, it's basically the same game that they play, except JJ's just a million times better at it. And for some reason, I don't know if you've gotten over that part of it, or like come to it, or you're just kind of still sitting in like I don't, I don't really know what JJ's role is here, and I don't know either. Um, so that's kind of a uh, – unless, like, red zone has been talked about endlessly ever since he's been drafted because that's what he's, you know, really good at, and I right. can definitely see him in packages. But where where do you stand on J.J. now that it's been about a, about a week since uh, the Eagles drafted him? All right, so let me start with what I really like about him. What I, I really like about him, and I watched about four of his games, and the stats back this up, he has maybe the best hands on the team – already coming onto the team yeah. like he he has elite hands and the stats like i said they back it up he had one drop in 97 targets but it's not just that when you watch some of the catches he made you can see the elite hands like they're strong uh he holds on to it really well so i really like that about him two he is very good at jump balls but it's not just that he is amazing at kind of like adjusting his body in the air it's kind of Alshon-like, to be honest, the way he can do oh, that. So yeah. th- those are two things I like about him. Then obviously he has great size for for his position. Um, I, like I know you tried to convince me of this, but my biggest issue with him is I really don't think he's great at, se- at creating separation. And so when you talk about separation, that's another thing Alshon is not great at. Now Alshon is a very good receiver, and we could debate Alshon for four hours. But at the end of the day, Alshon is not an incredibly <laughs> yeah we and we have right, but but uh, Alshon is not an incredibly consistent receiver, and also he's a receiver as we saw last year with Foles and Wentz that needs a quarterback that throws it up 50-50 balls. And Carson did it a lot in 2017, still didn't click with Alshon a ton. They did as the season went on, but he didn't do it. Well, he did it way less last year. So. When I look at JJ, I think he reminds me of Alshon, who I believe is – if you get Alshon at number 57, that was a good pick. We yes. can agree on that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But um, I think that – like I don't really see the fit as much unless you're talking about putting him just strictly out there in the red zone and just going with a, a, a huge you know, jumbo package of Ertz, Goddard, Alshon, and JJ. So that would make sense. Um, I just – the separation thing – the lack of real speed worries me a little. So th- those are my concerns. I think this is where, you know, um, I, and, and it's really hard to nail down with first-year wide receivers because some really excel at it, some take a long time, whatever. But there are I, – I think J.J.'s role is going to be really just with flopping with Deshaun, and that's based on matchups. And I've been – saying that even before J.J. got drafted. You know, uh, Nelson's right. still going to be here. He's your slot guy. I don't anticipate that they're going to move them in and out unless certain situations, red zone, which we've gone over already. But there are going to be times when Deshaun's going to have 70% of the snaps, and then you're going to need a bigger body that's on the outside there too. And not that Nelson can't do it, but I don't envision that they want to try and do that again this year and just kind of leave him where he is. Uh, right. Unless injuries come too, but like there are going to be times when Deshaun Jackson is going to play thirty percent of the snaps, 
Or, and I don't think know, that's a bad thing, honestly, because you want to try to keep him healthy. He has someone that sh- he has been someone that struggled to stay, hel- stay healthy. So if you can pick and choose your spots with him, I think that's pretty ideal. Yeah, and if there's a guy that I want in on third down, it's certainly not Deshaun Jackson. It's probably going to lean more JJ because it's it, depending on the yardage. Like if it's third and five, right. I'm on JJ out there. If it's third and ten, obviously, you know, let's open things up a little bit here and get you know tight ends in there and whatever. But I think jumbo packages that work with him. And again, I think he's a very much a willing blocker. Uh, and I'm still going through you know all of these guys too. And um, I I think he's pretty good at it. And if you have a jumbo package in twelve personnel where those guys are there. On third and two, third and three, third and four, third and five, like that's good. Beef and being able to be able to catch crossers, slant routes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in those situations, that's where I really see him fitting in in his first year. And then who knows, you know, after that with, with Alshon and with everybody and everybody's got to get cheaper and younger at wide receiver and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I, to me, like he's the depending on Jason Peters' health, because then I'd flop, you know, Andre Dillard if if I knew that he's going to, uh, you know, play or start more than 10 games this season. But I think J.J. to me is the second guy that impacts this roster the most. That Both both day two guys are, are going to have an impact immediately, good or bad, but they're going to get a lot of playing time in my opinion. So let me let me run two larger – Larger pitcher points by you, and I want your reaction to okay. both of them R- related to those two. First, I think that although we both have some concerns about both of these prospects, we like other things about both of them. I do think coming into this Eagles offense is going to give both of them a better chance to succeed than if they went elsewhere. Yes. They're going to be surrounded by a ton of talent. I think Doug is a phenomenal head coach, really good at putting players in position to succeed. So I do think that that's a major positive. You would ag- you would agree with that? Absolutely. I yes. All right, so here's then one of my concerns on the flip side. So Howie Roseman, as I said, been very good in the draft, has not been great at drafting receivers and running backs. Let me list the names off to you of running backs and receivers he's drafted since the title of general manager. We can debate Summer Andy, Summer Chip, but just since he's been GM. Mm -hmm. Riley Cooper, Deion Lewis, Marvin McNutt, Jordan Matthews, Josh Huff. Sorry. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> Josh Huff, Wendell Smallwood, Matt Collins, and Donnell Pumphrey. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gonna rule out Josh Huff immediately. Um, yeah, I mean it has because of Chip because of Chip. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. yeah. It hasn't been spectacular. Nor when's the last time that Howard is responsible for other than you know that was Nelson, so that's Chip. Uh, I don't remember him drafting a wide receiver this high either well yeah well no definitely not this high i mean and again like his how he's track record in the drafting is just difficult because you you're not you're not 100 sure when he draft when it's really him when it was andy when it was chip but i do think you can look at wendell smallwood matt collins and donnell pumphrey as unquestionably his decisions now yes these are fifth round and fourth round picks yes. so they're different <laughs> they're not the same level of right. prospect and i would even argue wendell smallwood as a fifth round pick has been a hit i just because of where how late you took him yeah, you i think to. he's played yeah, you would agree. Yeah, but but like these are two premium assets. How he is used on Miles Sanders and JJ, and I would just be a, I'm a little concerned based off of his history of his ability to draft players at that position using two premium assets on guys like that. Yeah, and I would say that you could. I think that's fair to say just based on the the Pumphrey thing because of in front of and behind him there were better running backs to take and that's right. just so th- that's there too my only counter against that is again 
in the premium spots because although you look at Matt Collins and go like, okay, I think that he has certain traits that would contribute really well, and you know that's still kind of up in the air too. Like I'm not, I'm not really willing to say that Matt Collins is a mistake yet because of health mm-hmm. concerns and things like that. Like I still really do believe that Matt Collins can contribute really well to this team, and they, they're going to. I, I don't know. I still don't know what the plan is for him in particular, but I mean, that's certainly a guy that could play the slot for the rest of his career and be really successful at it. I, I, I think the premium spots is where you have to judge it. And unfortunately, we don't really know, you know, in the premium spots, has he been good there with wide receivers? I, I think no, he's I, been, I think he's been really good in the premium spots overall. Yeah. And, so, and that's why so it kind of gives me a little more confidence that these guys will at least if they don't become superstars or, you know, whatever, I think they're going to be valuable contributors to this team regardless. Yeah, I think there's a I think there's a decent, a really good chance of that because he's, he's been how he's been very good at drafting players in the first two rounds. And if he believes these are first round picks and you have Joe Douglas helping as well, I would agree with that. But it's also I not think, great to say like, well, at least they'll be contributors. With those are premium picks. too, Right. Well, so, that, yeah, that's a yeah. thing too. like what what makes these picks successful, right? Like. I mean, JJ in his first year, I think if he has 20 catches, that's a good first year for him when you consider the players around him. Certainly. Right. So, and I think Miles Sanders, his ceiling has, or his expectations should be, should be higher. But again, he'll be the backup running back on a team that's going to run the ball more than people think, but still going to be a passing team first and foremost. And honestly, at the end of the day, this really all comes down to Carson. Like, if Carson plays at the level he did in 2017, then. The All offense is going to be good. probably the best in the league. <laughs> yeah, it's like, so. exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100%. And um, I do say, I, yeah, like, I don't understand uh, just moving ahead a little uh, a little bit. Like, I, I do want to touch on Clayton because, I mean, I, I've, I've, I've now watched 10 games of his because that was the most intriguing thing that I was like, why the fuck? Why Clayton right. Thorson of all people? Um, and it's really hard to judge. It's incredibly – I have no idea. Like, you can tell that the arm talent is is there. The decision-making is really good. The pocket presence, the feet, all of those things are there. But Northwestern is dog shit in skill players. It is dog shit, yeah. you know. Um, he didn't make them better, I, I don't think, but he gave them a lot of opportunities. And it kind of reminds me of a C.J. Beathard type from Iowa, and I know a lot of people just – I heard Nick Foles. I heard a lot of different things. Like, we just try and relate to what we've seen. But I would say like that. Like, he's not really quick. He's not really, you know, superstar speed or anything like that. But he can move around in the pocket. You know, he's had some keepers along the way. And it's just like uh, the funniest thing out of all that. I'm I'm just saying this because there's a lot of work to do. There's a lot of work to do. Uh, I don't understand why everyone just assumes that Nate Sudfeld is going to be gone next year. Like why? I agree. Yeah, I agree. Like it's just like, well, you know, they're going to move Nate Sudfeld. So that's why they take a quarterback. I I don't think so at all. Why the hell would you give? I mean, we already know they've they've doubled down. They put him on the active roster when when people are trying to poach him off of their practice squad. So they're like, absolutely not. There is they they're not they. Or at least my impression is they wouldn't move him for anything less than a second rounder. And at that point, that's like a dub. But that's why he signs the tender there because somebody's got to go grab him. I mean, right. you've, you've put and invested a lot of time and deflected people from taking this guy to get him off of your active roster. Like, he's going to be here until there's 
the, the, a starting well, opportunity that comes along that they need to they need to move him and and, and do whatever. Like I, I don't think he's going anywhere for the next two or three years. Well, but he is a free agent after this year. No, I know. So, I understand that, but I'm saying. So he can leave. I mean, he he can he can say. And look, I don't think he will want to leave Philly. I know he wants to play, but at the same time, I think the Eagles are a very attractive organization to play for. I think he likes to hear all those things. And I don't think when you look around the league, there's not as many available starting quarterback uh -huh. jobs as people like to think, especially for a guy like Nate that could potentially go into a being free agent next year, having thrown like seven NFL passes. Yes. Now there's preseason and all that stuff, but he's not a proven commodity by any stretch. He's certainly not going to get handed a job. He's not going to go as a free agent next year and they say, you're our guy. At most, he might be like, you know, you can compete with Josh Rosen or something like that. So right. um, I, I don't think it's a guarantee he leaves either. My biggest issue with the, the pick for the quarterback is to me it just felt like they drafted a quarterback to draft a quarterback. I don't think they drafted him because he thought they thought that he was the best player on the board. I could be wrong, but for all the reasons you just mentioned, he doesn't seem like anywhere close to some type of slam dunk prospect to develop. It doesn't seem like he has any particular elite skill. He does have a torn ACL. His numbers in college weren't great. They don't tell the whole story for the reasons you mentioned, but still, I don't see what there is about him to really like to use – you know, one of your only five picks. I mean, they've only made 10 picks over the last two years. So they're obviously important picks and you're spending it on a guy, like you said, I mean, what, is he going to be the, the third string quarterback for the next few years? Yeah, if yeah. that, I mean, is he even a lock to make the roster? Like, I don't know. And those are my issues with the pick. Well, and see, like this is, and, and, and that is valid. And I'm going to tell you a story about another quarterback who was, who played in the big 10 and is, um, you turn on any of that tape, and it was just as confusing as why there was little, if any, buzz. Because in his, you know, sophomore season, twenty five hundred yards, twenty one touchdowns, nine interceptions. Like that's that's a good ratio. Whatever you kind of move on. He gets injured in his junior year, and you're like, okay. And then his senior year, he comes out, and he's like, all right, thirty five hundred plus yards, twenty seven touchdowns, seven interceptions. But you turn on the tape and go, like, yeah. I mean, there's 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 really nothing there that's tangible and then he goes right. in, into the sixth round and who is that i'm gonna guess it's tom brady it's actually off. nate sudfeld and you look okay. at him and you go <laughs> like you're like i don't i don't get this at all uh, this is a waste of time for washington when he came to the practice squad and just go okay whatever he's a camp arm and they're gonna move on and then the next thing you know like they're really serious about it and you go holy crap like okay but i like i think your reaction is is just the same as i had mine i was like really was like clayton dorson okay you know and maybe in a, a lot of people said just like you well they wanted easton stick and they still wanted a guy to develop so this guy was you know on their board but that's the kind of the thing like it's the it is the lower half of the fifth round i mean it's basically a six round pick anyway and unless you were really like Hemden and hawing about I don't know Jaquan Johnson or somebody else that was I can't even right. re really remember who went in the top of the sixth round but like that I I think it's fine I still like the philosophy of draft a quarterback anyway like you can easily cut this guy and just be like whatever you know we we tried and, and you have uh, you know Perez here too from the AAF so I think it's I think it gives you a lot of different options on who can be QB three and uh, it's always worth it to me. To take one of these guys over CB, offensive tackle, you know, whatever. Maybe you hit on yeah, that, maybe you fair. don't, and you can flip it into something or develop him into another quarterback in case you need another and, backup in Nate Sudfeld. And I'll say, uh, for the flip side of the argument of how he's not been great at 
court, uh, receiver and running back, this team has been good at quarterback, right? I mean, yeah. they, they they identified Nate Sudfeld. They brought Foles back in when really nobody else wanted him, or at least not a ton of teams wanted him. They went up and got Carson. So I do think Howie has shown to a certain degree he knows how to evaluate quarterbacks. I mean, honestly, Matt Barkley, not saying he was anything great, but for a fourth-round pick, he's had it's like a semi-nice NFL career in some ways. So, like, they haven't really completely struck out on any quarterbacks they've drafted, and I think that's encouraging. Yeah, uh, and so do I. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, the only thing that I'm still, like, really I, – I'm not even neutral anymore. Like, you – I've seen – I haven't really dove into uh, Sharif Miller's tape, and maybe you have – um, nah, not yet, to I, be honest. I think there is uh, – uh, by the way, I think the, the greatest thing that they did was the Hassan Ridgeway trade. I thought that was perfect. Like, that like is a, uh, Yeah, I, I do. I think he's a great um, you know, rotational tackle. I think he's really good against the run, so that's um, that that's important. And that's you're going to get a guy that's already been developed in the NFL for less than what he was drafted for. I think that's a win already. Um, Sharif Miller <laughs> – and, like, everybody says this because of – the types of things that the the DNs do in this defense, like of course it's always going to help a DN to be in a wide nine or a, in an easier pass rushing, not an easier one, but like a more uh, like you're you're pinning your ears back and you're going after the quarterback a lot of the time when you're in. So Sharif definitely has that burst, but like there is no to me there's no definable pass rushing skill other than his speed, other than yeah. that bull rush that you can go like okay great he's good with his hands he's good at the point of attack he can got a really good spin move he shucks guys really easily like that's um very productive in college and you always kind of that's in that's an easier thing to to just kind of uh you know coach up and do but uh Sharif was a little bit of a head scratcher to me just in terms of what they look for or at least what I thought they look for outside of production in in athletes at that position but I don't think it's a bad pick necessarily. I think that's the one that's kind of that that ends up disappearing. You know, it's like, oh, whatever happened to Sharif Miller? Well, that that'll be not good if that happened, because in a year where for months we all talked about all the defensive line skill and all the defensive line talent in this draft to end up with Sharif Miller in the fourth round. I think really, no matter how you slice it, short of him just becoming an absolute steal, it's disappointing with with how much they value the defensive line, how badly they needed players there. I think it was pretty disappointing to only end up with Sharif Miller. Yeah, it's just a – that was one of the kind of things that was just like, all right, okay, you know, there's really no counters to his game either. And I go, all right, you know, yeah. Uh, And and just – and I don't mean to say it, and I know people are like, John, you have a PSU bias. That's probably true. I think Elliot does too at some points. I'm just telling you – Well, but think about this. And let me – like when's – how many good – NFL players have come out of Penn State. Like, there's Saquon Barkley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, well, I mean, so, I shouldn't say that. Uh, you know, Sean Lee, uh, you, despite, like, the injuries and things like that. There's been some. All right, how many years ago was he dropped? Paul Puss Lesney was a, was a good player. I, I, you know, was was had a wonderful career despite all the bang-ups. That's more, that ended up being, like, linebacker U for a little bit. I think there's some really good offensive linemen that came out of Penn State. They're escaping my mind. Wisniewski right um, okay. Yeah, Wisniewski did okay. Uh, yeah, I just still think if in a draft where five you had five picks and two of them were Penn State players, it's just a little concerning. Yeah, I'm sorry. A- Amos Amos came out. I mean, he's he got signed. He got he got his money uh, this season in free agency. Like, there's some good players. I don't. Hackenberg Hackenberg <laughs> Hackenberg Hackenberg did well, but uh, I will just say 
the the things that scare me the most is go turn on their game against Iowa. And I know it was early in the season in 2018, and just non-factor. At, you know that was that was when when your best tape was the year before. I have concerns. Yeah. I have concerns about that. 2018, not 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 especially great. But again, like this is the fun part. Like I. Uh, we're we're all going to be right and we're all going to be wrong. I I just don't look at uh, Sharif Miller being like. Listen, if he ends up being a rotational player, I think that's a win. You know, you're in the fo- you're in the fourth round. No one has really expected Avante Maddox to just blossom and bloom uh, just by looking at you know or even what he, what to play. Yeah, I mean, a lot yeah. of people thought he would be the inactive every Sunday. Yeah, and he became probably their most important cornerback last year. Certainly. So like. And it's weird that I'd be defending, you know, the the Clayton pick more than, more than Sharif. So right. that's kind of like ridiculous in its own right, too. But uh, well, I, I think because of your point is you would just rather take a flyer on a quarterback than you would, you know, a defensive end. You're maybe not super high. Gonna on, be so cut I can anyway. See. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, you don't have time to, to develop like linebackers or like, in a you know, a, a guard or whatever. Um, unless they're willing to go through the practice squad and all that other stuff, like you, there's there's nobody that's going to be claiming Clayton anytime soon. So that's where right. you just kind of go and get to see if you can go find some value there. But uh, love to hear who you guys think is going to have the most impact again at Go Birds Pod on uh, the Twitter, on Instagram at uh, Ellie Shore Parks at John Barchard. Um, I just got to say this too because I uh, I recently turned thirty six, even though. I thought I was 36 for about eight months of this year, so I'm basically <laughs> just reliving 36 all over again. Uh, but f- first and foremost, just like never – birthday cake is the dumbest thing you can give somebody. Be be a little more – be a little more savvy than that. You know, like birthday cake is a I mean, this is just a, like I, it's just a terrible take by you. Like, what do you what do you mean birthday cake is a bad thing to give somebody? It's cake. literally called birthday cake. That is the purpose of the cake. But like, but cake cake is just a waste of time. Is basically what I'm saying. Like there are there is a, unless it's like one of those you know triple layer German chocolate cakes or something that's just uber fancy. Like just I go with cookies, ice cream, brownies, pie pie especially. Uh, there are well, first so many all, other things all, other than cake to start doing at birthdays. Like a brownie is essentially just like a different type of version of a cake. No, like they're it's very not. Smart. No, it's not. That is yeah. such an amateur cook take. And My and I and I'd also argue that pies are in some ways very similar to cakes as well. Like <laughs> the, like the I mean, it's essentially still something that's you cut and that's a circle and that's a dessert. So, like, it's not like you're talking about hugely different things here. But also, like, how can you not like cake? I mean, just a good chocolate cake. I mean, that's better. Also, I'll say this. Ice cream cakes are trash, but regular cakes are very good. Uh, That's two things you've said wrong so far. So, like, you know, but that's cake needs shit like ice cream or a cookie no. cake or something like that just so it can be in the realm of good desserts like it is a it sounds like you're just eating that. bad cake that's your issue not at all it, it, like there is there is no cake that is like wow i gotta i've gotta triple down on that and make sure we order that for next year or whatever holiday or whatever like it is just there's so many other better desserts than cake don't don't waste your time and don't and don't waste best- your time on birthdays with it it's st- stupid First of all, it sounds very unsatisfying to give you anything for your birthday. So shout out to whoever got you that cake that is now getting no, ripped. That's right. nobody, the, nobody, the gave, nobody gave me cake. Everybody just suggested, like, oh, birthday uh, cake. I'm like, no. 
it's devastating to hear that. But I mean, the best cake out there, I'll say this, is just store-bought chocolate cake, chocolate icing, just like Betty Crocker straight up. Like, that's the best cake. I still am not over, well, it's a circle and you cut it, so it's basically the same thing. As yeah, I mean, like, it's basically the same thing. You <laughs> act like you're saying you prefer, like, a hoagie compared to, like, a piece of fish like that like the you're essentially talking almost the same thing for pie and a cake <laughs> no no uh, the, the crust is completely different what you put in it is most of the time completely different the texture is uh, like the oh my god i can't believe that we need to yeah, the texture, need to the texture to is different class. i'll give you that but it's completely different uh, you ever had a pineapple upside down cake yeah yeah they're delicious all right well there you go that's basically the closest a version of a pie that a cake is i mean that they're very similar <laughs> <laughs> the mini, I'll always stand for a mini, uh, you know, upside down uh, pineapple cake. But like, yeah, very I, good. I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to. I'm not. I'm not. I'm like, when is the last time you went into a restaurant and be like, man, I wish I. I hope they have cake for dessert. Well, here's the thing. I don't get this. I don't get dessert when I go out to eat because I just eat a lot of the food that I eat. Like, I get it. I get it. I will take multiple appetizers over one dessert. Yeah, no, I'm I'm that way because I'm more of a savory guy anyway. But I'm just saying, like when right. you when you crave a dessert, when you want something, it is never like ah, I want cake. It's just there. Well, cake is just there, and you eat uh, it. <laughs> I mean, I will I agree with you. Cake at most restaurants is not good because people try to get too fancy with cake sometimes. Like yeah. I hate chocolate cakes that taste like coffee. Like I hate those type of cakes. But I think just in general, if I'm buy if I'm going to a store and I have to make a dessert, cake is my first option. Followed by brownies, and then I guess cookies would be third. Although cookies are the easiest to make. Uh, yes, and they're, they're they're delicious. I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I would very, eat a thousand great. of them before I eat a slice of cake. So uh, that said, uh, we appreciate everybody listening. Of course, we'll be live and uh, well by tomorrow on Saturday afternoon on uh, Go Birds Radio from one to three on WIP for LA Shore Parks. I'm John Barcher. Thank you so much for listening to the Go Birds podcast right here on Radio.com and Sports Radio 94 WIP. We'll see you guys. 